This is Such Fun, a podcast devoted to the discussion, education, and celebration of all things fisting. Whether you're a curious newbie or an elbow deep connoisseur, this podcast is for you. I'm artist Big Buck Geek, and I'm blogger Jasmine Taz. Let's get to it. Let's have such fun. started which is quite nice we are indeed in my living room i feel like it's the podcast spiritual home i guess you could say that yeah it doesn't feel very spiritual to me it feels um feels like a workplace because it is my workplace most often my my poor little living room we've just uh, experienced another Folsom weekend here in berlin it's now wednesday tuesday it's tuesday Mm. uh and we're, we're all still in various stages of recovery i'm i'm perfectly clear headed jazz i i Good for you. Good for yourself. Good for you. I said various stages. I'm I'm a paradigm of health, vitality, togetherness, and smugness. You're a (laughs) radiant. I've been in the sun all day. And here's me with bags under my eyes. I uh, I'm sleeping a lot these days. I feel like uh, I'm in hibernation or something. It's a good thing you're cute. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are lucky today to have two wonderful guests. Greedy FF and Comrados. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Thank nice you. to have you. Um, and you're both residents of Berlin. Yeah. Yes. Why don't we start by asking you a bit of... Or why don't you start by telling us some information about yourself and your history with fisting? Let's start with Greedy FF. Oh, um, I was born in Cologne years ago, so I'm 39 Already forty nine. Sorry. Yeah, I started fisting with eighteen, so it was in the year of uh, 1990, Did you say nineteen ninety? Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Different to nowadays because fisting was not so common and popular. I would say it was not for young people, or it was not cool to say to young people like me, Are you in fisting? Should we try to fist each other? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, it was completely different, a little bit secret. As an 18 year old, were you the only 18 year old that you knew of into fisting? No, because I had a friend and we started to play with our holes and we got into, oh, we want to do a little bit more than just fucking and playing with our fingers. And then we, we find out we want bigger stuff inside our holes. So we started to try to get the fist inside. And this was the starting uh, time we knew, okay, we want to fist. Mm-hmm. And we was looking for it on videos, but I mean, there was no internet, so no Twitter accounts, no, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't see that what happened in, in films. So you have to go to a video uh, shopping, video mm. center. Video, yeah. 
okay, like a, like a sex shop a sex yeah, store. Yeah, sex shop, yeah. and then you bought some 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 bits, this mm. old fears, yes. mm. yeah, exactly. cassettes, yeah. and this was all awful films. I didn't like it. Why didn't you like them? Because it was not the the guys I'm into. Because it was only older guys from the leather scene, and that was the time I was not in the fetish scene at all. I came up to it later. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, all that has changed now, right? It's everything changed because now you can show your fisting experience and your fisting uh, uh, that you like it uh, everywhere, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you moved to Berlin? I have um, lived in Berlin the first time 1992 for one year and then I have moved just one half years before now so not that long okay so you were here back in 92 and then you left again and then you came back only recently yeah because I had friends here and I keep the friends Mm -hmm. so now I'm Berlin and this is my town nice and my city where I want to live what was the biggest change between the first time living here and now, and now this time around? It's completely different. So, Comrados, tell us a little bit about, uh, about your fisting beginnings. My fisting beginnings, yeah. Uh, firstly, I'm, I'm from Norway. I moved here three years ago after visiting Berlin like tens of times and decided that I have to move here to the, the fisting capital of Europe, perhaps the world. Um, I'm 58. I started fisting when I was like 22-ish. It was a completely different time then because it was something very underground and not something that uh, people in general were uh, were doing. I remember the, some of the first times in, in Oslo when I, while I was living there uh, that when I said to people that I was into fisting they were completely turned off and it was considered something really, really extreme. Yeah. yeah. It was like considered extreme sex. While nowadays it's it's something that everybody's doing. Everybody's at least pretending to do it. <laughs> <laughs> at least in Berlin that is the case. Yeah, it is. So the identity of fisting has changed a lot. Also for the better. Mm. Because uh, I think the, the whole thing about um, fisting getting normalized is uh, it's just a positive thing. I was, I was going to say is that, you know, because you know, my experience with some older guys is they kind of don't really enjoy the veil being lifted. They don't really enjoy that so many people are into this now. Mm. I think this podcast is obviously definitely <laughs> lifting the veil a lot. Um, so obviously we know where we stand on it. Yeah. But but um, it's nice to hear that, 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 that that's a positive for you. Yeah. The, the more people are into it, that it is more accessible. Yeah, it's accessible and also that uh, the, um, the stigma around it is, uh, is mm. more or less gone now. Uh, one of the effects of it that it was so so many secrets around it was that it was really hard to find people to to play with. Well, I was just gonna say, like, how how did you find people? Is it was it hanky code? Certain clubs you went to? What I was, I was fairly people? open about it, so I was lucky to find uh, one of my first boyfriends. He was into fisting, so uh, we with him I I played a lot, and he sort of like <clears throat> opened the door <laughs> uh, and. Uh, made me very uh, secure about myself that this was actually something that, I, that was it was something that I enjoyed uh, was not something that was forced upon me or 
it, it was very normal for me. Mm-hmm. It developed over the years and slowly it became a sort of like a scene for fisting in Oslo. In the leather scene that you had a, a fisting community starting to grow. And this has continued. And it's now a very vital scene. In uh, Cologne it was very hard to find people who were into fisting. So I mean, I started with my friend. And then afterwards I was looking for fisting parties. There was already fisting parties but more in Netherlands than in Cologne. Mm. So I drove to Wagevoer, this was a club in the Netherlands, and they had a fisting party every eight weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And But I was the only guy who drove to this party from Cologne. I couldn't find another one. When I asked, do you want to drive with me to the fisting party? Fist, oh no, f- fisting, oh, this is too extreme. Mm. to fisting, oh, gosh. So I drove there alone and I could find people there, nice people. But it was really hard to find uh, regular fist uh, friends. Mm. Yeah, there was no gay roomie mm. like nowadays. Mm. I think gay roomie started. There was, I don't know which platform, but internet was not that much like nowadays. Mm. So you could only find people in the scene. You have to go out to to the club, yeah, and to mm. speak to each other. And it's, I mean, you had no hanky cord on your clothes all day so was that was that even still a thing really when you guys were coming up through the scene no but hanky coats for me was like a thing from the past yeah okay. yeah so it was the generation before me or two yeah. generations before me yeah. it still feels there's like this kind of like retro throwback that we're kind of still sort of clinging on to a bit yeah i, I mean I it's so red too. and black is your thing and, and yeah. you're empowered by that all, all, all power to you but i've particularly this weekend, everyone was like, it's not me. Mm-hmm. I think people nowadays tend to not, you don't like to be so uh, so restricted to be only a fister or people want to belong to several uh, categories. Yeah. While perhaps in those days that people identified str- more strongly with this part of the subculture mm-hmm. where they felt they belong. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was always this very close link between the S&M scene, leather scene and the fisting scene. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that's the thing that I don't see as clearly now. You can meet fisters outside of the S&M scene, outside of the leather scene, outside of the fetish scene. You meet people who are into fisting. Yeah, quite right. What do you make of Berlin's like party scene right now for fisters? I mean, now it's dominated by the pandemic, so everything's more or less closed. But pandemic I mean, aside, yeah, pandemic <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, pandemic aside, it's really good because you have so many options on on a weekly basis. You have uh, Börse Buben who has their party twice a week. There's uh, a party in uh, Club Kulturhaus mm-hmm. once a week. And then, of course, Lab has their regular parties. Yeah. So there's always this option of going to, uh, to, to parties for, for fisting. Aside from uh, all the private stuff that is going yeah, on. Yeah, I would say that there are more private parties mm-hmm. than the club's party for mm-hmm. fisting. Forsthaus is maybe it's a little bit different because every sister from Berlin and also the tourists go to Forsthaus. Which is the one at Lab. Mm-hmm. And this is the biggest one, I would say. Yeah. But uh, I think there are plenty more private parties. Yeah, but to find the private parties, you also have the private network. For tourists, for example, it's really, it's a bit difficult to, to get into the private scene. Yeah, I think uh, it, it took, I've been living here now for almost three years and it actually took a while before I, I started to get into the, to the private parties because there is so, some kind of a threshold that you have to pass before you are 
I would say almost accepted to come to the private parties. Okay. Is, is yeah. that just having connections or yeah. is that now having an online presence? No, I think there are, there are two parts of FISTAS. There are the big group uh, who need connection and quality in FISTING. To get into this group, it's very difficult because there are already enough people. Mm. So this is other smaller parties, like up to six people maybe. And so they don't need new people. Mm. So it's difficult to get into this group. Yeah. And you have the other people, they don't care about connection and quality, just quantity. Mm. So these are the big private parties with 20 or 30 people. It's easier to get into that one if you, if you like that, but I don't like that. Mm. I need the connection to people. So first I need to, to know people who I can get connected. This takes time, yeah. a lot of time. After a while you get a bit tired of the consumer part mm. of the, of the his sexuality. I think it's like a natural development that you, you go from those big parties more and more over to the private parties yeah, right. because mm -hmm. you, you make friends, you find guys that you like playing with, people you connect with, and it's like two different worlds. It is. Yeah. I find I can, I can happily engage in both. Yeah, me, me too. I'm, I'm also, but at the moment I'm more like more and more over to the private, uh -huh. the private sector. <laughs> I, I particularly enjoy going to lab for, for the Faust house and every hole is a goal you know you yeah. see someone lying in a sling well, and he's just take like me. <laughs> sure. take me thanks sure. Sure. don't do it no, <laughs> I'll take you and then I'll take you oh. <clears throat> yeah I, you know if I see a nice open hole that's just willing uh, I consider it a bit of practice a bit of shooting practice mm. <laughs> and you just you know Elbow in, elbow out. Yeah. Next, thank you very much. You don't get that kind of connection or intimacy that you would no. at somebody's house when it might just even be the two of you and you're locking eyes and you can take as much time as you want. There's no line of guys waiting mm. to go into the hole after so the, you. So get both. Uh, I love to go to Fast House and mm. to have just, uh, like you said, fist each other holes and uh, I don't know, just do it and have fun. And afterwards I go to my private uh, home with my connected partners and go, go further in this connected quality fist. Right, you so said that to me before. You like to have one and then, then continue on at home yeah. afterwards. I like to plan it before with my, with my, my fist friends. Mm. I want to go there because I don't like to go alone to Forest House because, mm. I mean, it's a club with a lot of people, with a lot of tourists. Fisting is very a trustful thing. Mm. So I like to have someone with me who I know to a little bit take care to each other. Mm. I think this is a good thing because there can so many things happen. You, you and me, Camaradas, were at the same little fisting party on Sunday. Yeah. That was my first proper fisting event, I think probably about two years, I guess, because yeah. of the pandemic and everything. And uh, it kind of struck me um, how different, it, you know, because everything I've, I've been doing has been private play sessions. Mm. And then it was that sort of, even though it was very, you know, it's a very small amount of people, but it's that sort of, eyeing each other up and assessing the body, the hands, maybe the dick, you know, and it's like, oh, it is this more of a meat market thing rather than your private play sessions where it's like, I like you, I connect with you. Maybe I've seen your videos online. I like what your bio has to say. So I'm not saying one's necessarily better than the other, but it was, it was a bit of a shift for me. I was like, oh, okay, I need to remember how to do this again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just picking someone like, you have small hands, come with me. Yeah, which is generally not how I pick 
play partners is generally a bit a bit more of an exhaustive list. It was like, cool, okay, let's do this. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah. But I have, but I mean, I I have such issues with kind of the aesthetic of those spaces. Just personally, you know, the I, whole I, black and red as you're talking. Yeah, about. it's 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 not me it's not my aesthetic it's not what I respond to because I'm like because part of me is like this is hot but also isn't this so silly <laughs> it's just like you know it's just the theatre of it and yeah. taking it so seriously I'm like this is kind of stupid in a wonderful way yeah. you know we're putting our hands and arms in each other can't we just sort of laugh about this rather right. than be like unz, unz, unz. you know like, <laughs> oh come on come on son come on Let's have a laugh. But yeah, that was my experience. Mm. What, what kind of guys do you, do you normally find at these kind of parties? You know, what sort of age demographic? Are they locals? Are they visitors? I feel that uh, the fisting scene has, it has evolved. Especially now when the, when the queer scene has become so big, you see people who have um, much more different visual appearance than you would see, for example, like five or 10 years ago where everybody tried to butch up and uh, look more or less the same. People are not so afraid just to come visiting, just to test out, is this something for me? Do I connect with people? Do I like this? And then perhaps decide afterwards that, nah, it wasn't anything for me. While the others, they are like, yeah, I really liked it. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very broad selection. Absolutely. Yeah. And also age-wise, I would say that some of the, um, yeah, perhaps some of the bigger parties, they are more like 30-something guys. Most of the time when I'm in, for example, in lab, I feel that you have everything from 20-ish up, up to like 50, 60 or even older. Mm. And it seems like it doesn't stop you from being an active part of the, of the scene. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I went to lab for Faustiles, I went with a, a friend uh, who was, he was visiting from Australia at the time and I was, he was vaguely into fisting. Like, I, didn't, I, I think he'd tried it about as many times as me, maybe once or twice. And I was like, let's go to Faust House. And we went there expecting it to be mostly older guys, mm. mostly leather guys. Um, and sure, there was a fair share of that, but I was just amazed at how many young guys were there. And mm. we ended up, I think the first guy we fisted was this 18-year-old, this little blonde twink, who had had just this, like, big gaping hole before we'd even begun. He's just, you know, on all fours and his little gate is showing and we're just like, holy shit, this yeah. was not what I was expecting here. Uh, and it was, it was fantastic. But Let's I, all just think about that gaping hole for a minute. It's just yeah. a moment of silence for this 18-year-old gaping hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding more and more, like the amount of guys who are like 21, 22, and they're like, yeah, double punch me, daddy. First of all, daddy, okay. I'm 33. You're more the weird little uncle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, they're just very proficient, just really young these days. Um, Greedy FF, you got into fisting when you were 18. I was 23. God, 27? And you were 22. Yeah. All pretty, pretty young. Yeah. I mean, I still think of myself as a late bloomer. Yeah, nowadays you would be a late bloomer. Yeah. But... I mean, for my time, you know, when we invented the wheel and uh, the light bulb and <laughs> stuff like that. The Crimean War was just, just finished. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. really hard to get hold of lube then. Yeah, and we had to use, yeah. like, tears and blood for lube. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, but I think it has changed a lot that super young people are into fisting. Do you think the rules have changed? You know, had, what, you know what, what are kind of the rules oh, with fisting back is, when you guys started? I mean, it was the time just after HIV was on the in the scene so glass was very important at that time yeah more important than nowadays oh, yeah, yeah. 
Mm. Especially that, after prep. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it changed I, I, completely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, me and Jazz, we we're obviously the same age, and um, I have very vague memories of the AIDS crisis just being sort of a talking point. Obviously, I did not live through that in any way, um, thankfully, I guess. But what was your experience living living through that time? I mean, the world has changed so much with prep. I'm not sure if people, the young guys nowadays, understand to what extent prep has been a blessing. Mm. Because uh, sexuality, in especially in the 90s, late, late 80s and the 90s, was you always had this element of fear. Uh, and uh, this fear of, okay, the condoms, did they break? Was I careful enough? Stuff like this. And also for fisting, that you had to use gloves. I mean, I, I remember I used to go to a fisting party in Copenhagen during the 90s. I used to travel from Oslo to Copenhagen. And I, I hardly think I saw anyone fisting without gloves. I think people would have more or less thrown you out mm-hmm. because you would be considered such a, a risk factor for, uh, for spreading of HIV. Mm-hmm. And people yeah. were terrified of it. Because, because HIV was... If died. You, you died. It was, yeah. it, it was clearly, if you get HIV, you would die. Yeah, you died. So it was very... It yeah. was a completely different sex. It yeah. was not so... Easy going like nowadays. It's more fun nowadays. Yeah, yeah. For I have to say, and in the clubs also. I remember in Bargwall when I was at the fist party. It was a rule to have to uh, to use gloves. With all gloves, they would throw you out. Mm. I remember I went to a sex club in uh, in New York. In uh, could have been in ninety five. I think it was called Hell. <laughs> Well, it was like it the, really like gangbang place, but there were clear rules: condoms and gloves. Mm-hmm. They had people inspecting. They were uh-huh. using to, uh, flashlights. Yeah. If they saw someone without condoms or without gloves, they threw them out. I think we both we have experienced that many of our friends have died. It was serious shit. It was really really serious, and in a way, fisting felt also. On one hand, it felt like it was a very extreme activity, but on the other hand, it felt also like a part of safe sex because the gloves, there was no sperm involved, uh, there was no blood yeah. involved. It made it also, to some extent, feel like a safer form of sexuality. For some reason, uh, fisting became more popular from the mid-90s, that it was actually uh, an alternative way of having sex that was safe. I, I mean, I have another Berlin-based friend of a certain age, and his experience as well was he very much got into fisting because it was like it was safer. Yeah. Um, you did, you know, everybody wanted bare sex, and obviously that was a complete no, no, no. And it was like, okay, well, actually, there's far less risk factor in terms of contamination and contracting yeah. STDs as is there is in fisting. Mm-hmm. So you know, and if you and if you're gloved up, that's pretty much eliminated. Yeah. So yeah, that was a huge selling point to him and. A lot, a lot of love his group. I think even some of the um, the safer sex material that was produced in the in the late '90s were focusing on on fisting as a safer way of having alternative sex mm. sexuality. Then, so it was a different story then. <laughs> <laughs> What do you enjoy about your fisting experiences today that you couldn't experience decades ago? Of course, the prep thing. I think. We both can talk about it's like things have changed so much. You don't have this nervousness. Mm-hmm. I imagine the ability to to choose to play without gloves is 
is quite liberating, right? I think most of the people play without gloves in private area, in mm. private parties. Yeah. You can see at the big parties like at Fossos and let they use gloves, yeah. gloves a lot of, many of them use gloves. But yeah, after prep, um, gloves is not so the main thing anymore. Now for me, for me, gloves nowadays it's because of uh, of hepatitis C, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's the only reason for me to to use it. But for example, when we went to this party on mm -hmm. Sunday, um, I consciously used gloves for everyone I was fisting because, yeah, there's something about this. Uh, But even with hepatitis C, it changed because since I think now three years, there's a medication you can't use the pills, I think, for eight weeks and then it's gone. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a, a very, very difficult therapy before mm. with a lot of side effects, mm. bad side effects, and a lot of people uh, didn't get uh, uh, away from it. Mm. despite the mm. therapy but it changed uh, I, th I think since three years we have this new medications mm. yeah. I so mean this is also a, a reason in, uh, beside the prep that it changed and mm. the glass is not so important anymore for a lot of people mm. I wouldn't say glass not important this is not true they can uh, they can avoid to get STDs like HIV and hepatitis C And so you have to think about it. Yeah. But um, I mean, all the other stuff like chlamydia, trypan, you don't know, you, you will get it uh, with glo gloves or without. Gloves mm. don't avoid them. Mm. Mm. But hepatitis mm. C and HIV, it's just a thing anymore. And of course, the takeaway of it is just tests regularly. When we talk about PrEP, the, the sexual health aspect around PrEP has, is so good because you get frequently tested for absolutely everything which means that there's a smaller risk for you to be a spreader of if you yeah. have a std i mean gonorrhea can be a nuisance but uh yeah. it's still it's more or less treatable so and also that people have those regular health checks it's a really really good side effect from uh, from yeah from the prep and because before prep uh, especially young people didn't get to the tests no. Just uh, was just wasn't afraid about it. What was the case many years ago? So let's say in the '90s, were people, of course, using using condoms primarily? Uh, were people getting tested a lot back then? What was your experience? Or were they were they more like, okay, well, I don't go to the doctor. I'll just hope for the best. Use my condoms, or maybe not. What was your experience then? More difficult to say. I would say. I mean, they started the checkpoints in the city like Cologne and in the big cities to get tested of HIV. But I think it was only for HIV. I remember the first tests I did was only for HIV. And um, because you don't use a condom, a glass and think that's it. You, you went to the tests every six months, maybe. Mm -hmm. I did it every six months. Mm -hmm. But you have to wait then 12 weeks mm. after the last uh, risk context. So you're supposed to not have sex for 12 weeks? If you had a risk contact, you had to wait for 12 weeks. And wow. most of the 
guys didn't do that. Of course not. I remember a doctor telling me this. I went for an HIV checkup. It must have been a few years ago now. And she said, have you had 12 weeks without having sex? I was like, well, no. Who do you think I am? <laughs> like, it was unthinkable for me. And she's like, you need to wait 12 weeks. No sex for 12 years. I was like, well, I'm just going to go and get a second opinion about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but on the other side, you could say, okay, when I do the test now, I can say I'm negative from the 12 weeks before the time. Mm. But I don't can say it for the 12 weeks before the test. Mm. So, I mean, it did change uh, nowadays because uh, the test is, I think... They have this rapid test. Yeah, yeah much better. the rapid test is yeah. much better than... Perhaps the situation in Scandinavia and Norway were different than, than here in Germany because um, even in the early 90s, the gay activist groups started to promote testing and to promote safer sex. So there was a lot of campaigning going on. Mm -hmm. just to make people aware of that you had to test yourself every now and then. Nowadays, when people go and take a test, it's not the end of the world if you have a positive HIV test. But I think before 96, when all the good medication came, all the better medication came, I think that uh, there was a certain amount of fear <laughs> surrounding... Yeah, uh, every testing was yeah. terrible. And then you caught them after three or five days with a code word. So it was anonym. And you were so fear about the result yeah. because you know if they say, okay, you're positive, you will die, or you will have bad therapy, taking pills every two hours and things like that. Were the doctors back then more prejudiced? Were they unfriendly? Were they... There was no special doctors for HIV like nowadays. They came up in the 90s. I think 90s, yeah, 90s, 95, there was a lot of doctors just for HIV or STDs. It's so easy nowadays, and this is before PrEP, I couldn't understand that young people say, I don't need a test. I don't, don't have symptoms, I don't need a test. It changed because of PrEP. So PrEP, what you said, the side effect is that the people are on tests every three months. This is a really, really big good side effect yeah. of PrEP. So you can find out really fast if someone has STDs. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we can shift the topic onto big events here in Folsom, here in Berlin, such as Folsom, Easter. What's your experience been of these big events that bring people here from all over the globe? That we have to go on antibiotics afterwards. I <laughs> <laughs> should give them out of the door as you leave. Yeah. Yeah. My doctor told me uh, she was surprised last year because uh, there was no Folsom and no Eastern. Mm. So his practice was uh, empty. There was, <laughs> was a no sharp decline in people getting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they knew that uh, after this events, a lot of people, I got a lot of guys coming in to make a test. So all the staff has to work afterwards. Mm. There's mm. no possibility to take holidays, to take yeah. days off. I mean, Berlin is called then uh, Berlin as well for bareback. And <laughs> it's really true because a lot of people think, oh, I go to Berlin for Eastern or for Forsum or like something like that for snacks party as well. Mm. And I can do whatever I want and I just do it and it doesn't matter. Afterwards, I will get the antibiotics, antibiotics yeah. and it's fine. 
But at, of course, those big events like Folsom and uh, Easter, they are they are fantastic experiences. It's something I think everybody should uh, should do at least once during their lifetime, because uh, there's also something about uh, literally feeling the community. Yeah, like you meet so many nice people. Uh, it's such a nice atmosphere, and you make friends. And I, for me, I've made friends uh, during Folsom and Easter that I. I'm in regular contact with, and that's people from around the world. So it's a it's a really positive element to the gay scene. And you live like right in the heart of it as well. I live in the heart, yeah. heart, <laughs> heart of it. You I live on, gay, on yeah. gay Street in gay suburb in gay town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, but, uh, this village of sin. Yeah. <laughs> I was Folsom two years ago. We were a group of friends renting a, a suite in a hotel, arranging a huge fisting party at the end of the Folsom. And uh, I mean, we fisted for days. A week later, I was in touch with one of my friends over in London. I had been to the doctor, taking all the tests. He had been to the doctor, taking all the tests, and we were both like, I'm negative. How the hell could this happen? What did we do wrong? It turned out he was negative on all tests. His friend was negative on all tests. It was a completely absurd situation mm-hmm. because we, we took it for granted that, okay, we have, we have had a sinful week together with a lot of guys, but nothing happened. Very, very, very strange. That's a mystery of life. <laughs> you remind me that I should, uh, I should prepare for the worst <laughs> for my next test, my next checkup, <laughs> considering all the shit we did on the weekend. <laughs> Every time I get a, a positive test result, I'm still really pissed off. I still just need to change my relationship to that because it doesn't mean anything. I'm doing it all right. The important thing is going to get tested, mm. getting your results, getting your treatment, moving on, not blaming anybody, not blaming yourself. What do you make of all the people that fly in for Berlin, you know, Friday evening, party, and then fly back home Sunday evening, Monday morning? And, that, and, that, and that's their only perspective of Berlin is coming here for those two, three days and just experiencing. Yeah, why not? I mean, that's, no, that's why not. I mean, Berlin is a city you can be free. It's a sign of freedom. You can live your life as you want. And I think it's good when people come to Berlin just to have party. It's a party city. I mean, when you live in Berlin, you don't need to have it every weekend. You can't have it every weekend because you have to work. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a little bit different, but, um, yeah, that's Berlin, I mean. When you live in Berlin, it's like, uh, it seems like over the time you get less and less in contact with the tourists that comes here just for the weekend sex. In the end, it's quite tiresome. It's exhausting meeting new people all the time. I have a handful of uh, more or less regular guys that I play with, and I prefer to do that instead of yeah, trying to pick up someone who, who is here only for the weekend. Mm. It seems like the weekend people find each other. Same to me. Yeah. When I remember when I didn't live in Berlin and I came as a tourist to Berlin, I find a lot of tourists mm-hmm. and had sex with them. Yeah. But it yeah. was really, really hard to find a guy yeah. from Berlin because they're always asking, do you live in Berlin? No, I don't. Okay. And then you never heard again from him. Mm. Because yeah. as you said, and I can say it from, from now uh, the same, I like to play with my regular friends from Berlin because I know them, I know what I, mm. where I get. Mm. It's high quality. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, every, when you take a tourist, it's every time a risk, it's not a good sex. So 
I do more with the regular friends and then a tourist can come in and you can check him and when it doesn't work, say oh, goodbye, I'm, I'm so sorry but mm. it's not a match yeah. and you have your regular friends to play with. So the funny thing is the tourists find each other and the building find each yeah. other but it's really difficult that they merge. Yeah. Mm. It's a good thing that people actually visit Berlin for yeah, for partying and for sex. It adds a lot to the culture in town. It makes it fun to go out. So uh, for for us who live here, uh, fresh so meat. Fresh meat. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it creates this special atmosphere that is Berlin. It has a this sense of freedom to the gay life here, that people can do whatever they want to. They can be whatever they want to. You're not judged or criticized, no matter what you want to do. And I can understand why people uh, choose to go here for a wild weekend. Because most of the time you get your money's worth when you go here. I like that you say your money's worth because this is one of the cheapest cities. Well, certainly the cheapest capital city in Europe, right? Or the Western Europe, anyway. It's a cheap capital for cheap people. Exactly. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but when, I mean, for tourists, uh, they have to go to Berlin by, by train, by flight, whatever. It, it costs money and sure. you have to take a hotel or something else. So they spend a lot of money. Even yeah. it is cheap in Berlin, but they spend a lot of money. But new people and the party people coming to Berlin makes the scene very interesting yeah. and freshen up and modern and you need them mm-hmm. we need them and um, it's nice nice to see and to meet them and also just to go to Faust House and to have a chat with them yeah. Yeah. you don't need to fist when, with everyone when you go to Faust House right. just drink a beer and have a chat with yeah. some, someone who comes from Paris, United States, London or something else it's nice yes. yeah you, you make, make new friends also so yeah. Yeah. and for people who come from cities they are now gay scene at all for them it's a place they can live their life and it's very important for them so it's good they can come to berlin yeah Mm. and also berlin is a quite safe place to play yeah since we have such an established fisting scene here you can actually go to a club and uh fist you are in more or less uh, a safe space there so you can relax, feel comfortable. Uh, should anything bad happen, pe- there there will always be people who knows uh, how to take care of you. Mm. So uh, I think that's a very positive aspect mm-hmm. about Berlin as a as a uh, how should you say it a fisting uh, mm-hmm. tourist spot. I will say, coming from London, I don't get that at all. Like obviously, there's places to go and fuck and you know mm. get f- fifty loads in you. Good on you. Um, but in terms of fisting play, like, there's very, I mean, maybe the recom parties. Um, but in terms of other venues, I would not feel comfortable fisting those spaces. Mm. They're, not, they're not equipped for it. You've not, you've not got the, the paper towels. You've not got cleaning facilities. Okay. You're, you're, you've not had this in your mind at all huh. when, when, when setting up these, play, these play spaces and these nights. But here, I feel like, okay, you, you know what we're here for. Yeah. Well, the party we were at, I think, I think about three hours in, I was like... Yeah, this bathroom's fucked. I was like, can't believe <laughs> Yeah, that, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's my cue to go. Or, <laughs> or people are Someone had an accident. Yeah. <laughs> and people are falling on the floor because they're a lube and a... Oh, oh yeah, that oh, happens. Yes. I mean, you have to be... Yeah. yeah. You know, I use a lot of, plenty of lube. And mm-hmm. I remember at Faust House, oh my God, I used so much lube and all the people behind us 
was <laughs> slipping and yeah, we had to clean the floor. Yeah. This What? is uh, also a thing in the fisting scene. Most of the people clean their area where they have played. Yeah. Speaking of etiquette. Which, yeah. which is back yes. also to this that uh, a lot of people are just testing out fisting that you can actually mm. tell uh, if people understand what they're doing because every now and then you see guys playing they don't clean up the sling they don't clean up the floor they don't uh, clean up the bottom exactly mm. they don't help the bottom <laughs> up from, from the sling right. yeah that's a bit of the, the fisting alphabet that you should learn yeah the set of rules Because uh, you actually just uh, throw a lot of uh, literally shit on the next guy who is going to play in that same sling. I forgot to mention early on in the episode, um, Comrados is our wonderful sound editor to the stars for series two. Um, mm. And bah, bah, bah. not only are you our sound editor, you also does, um, you also had our shirts uh, printed, our new t-shirts printed with our new logo on the front, which we're totally in love with. You, I wanted to give you a little opportunity for a plug um, with your T-shirts. Can you tell us a bit about those? Because you're wearing one right now. I'm wearing one right now, yes. I've, see, I've seen a lot of people wearing these. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to make a recognizable fisting symbol that only people who were into fisting would understand. You know, because you have a lot of T-shirts saying like, I fist on the first date, <laughs> stuff like this. And if you have this I fist on the first date t-shirt, you wouldn't wear it outside of a fetish uh, scene or a leather bar or something like that. But I wanted something that you could wear in daily life, where you could walk down the street, you saw a guy with this symbol, which is based on the emojis from the, your mobile phone, mm -hmm. with two parentheses that symbolizes the asshole stretching. <laughs> <laughs> And... Uh, Only if you knew it, you would understand what it is. So it's like, uh, how could you say? It's like the new hanky codes that you can understand. That. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like the aubergine emoji. And, yeah, yeah. A, a peach. Yeah. I, I know that's your ass. Yeah. It's... No, so I, uh, I started making t-shirts and now I have developed this, uh, this project into a handmade series where people can uh, order online more customized uh, t-shirts. I found it interesting to make something that is sexually potent. But at the same time, it's for people who are outsiders, it's impossible to understand it. Yeah. They would just see this fist and as a symbol, but they wouldn't be able to read it. Yeah. Well, if you're into fisting, you will immediately be able to, to read if it's a single fist or a double fist going in. Mm. <laughs> when, when do you put a third fist up? Uh... In that, your logo. Well, that's a design. good question because I've actually had several guys asking now for the triple fist. Yeah. The, the, the interesting thing is that several guys online, they have, they have said to me that, oh, I took my first double fist, so I'm, now I'm going to treat myself. I'm ordering your double fist t-shirt mm. <laughs> just to celebrate and to award myself for, for being able to take a double fist. And of course, they came, you know, greedy holes like yourself asking for a third fist. So I'm now trying to compose a good... Three fist T-shirt, and I hear rumors about the four fist T-shirt. Well. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> Where can people go online to order your shirt? Uh, they can go to camarados.com and uh, check them out. Yeah. Um, my last question was just as two gentlemen of a certain age. I'm trying to be very, very tactful. They're brutal. Yeah, <laughs> but what would? Because I know we have a lot of young listeners and people that are just starting fisting. Um, 
listening to this, what is your advice as two older and very experienced fisters? What is your advice to young people getting into this kink? I would say just find a guy you are into uh, without looking of ages or how it does look like. Just find him with connection to feel uh, how you can work with him. I think connection is a key for a good fisting also to start fisting. I would say the same, that connection is uh, that's the most important thing. An advice is also to not take the road of chems to be able to take a fist. Yeah. Because you need a certain physiology to be able to do it, but also a lot of training. It's not done overnight. There are so many guys now that to, to speed up the process, they take the cams because then you're able to, to take a fist. The risk of injuries are there. I mean, you're actually killing your nerves a bit with the, all the cams. There's fisting and there's good fisting. And the good fisting comes with time, it comes with practice, it comes with connection, and it comes with actually just enjoying it. It's not a competition. I would say add a little love to it. Take your time. Yeah. Uh, don't look at Twitter and see the videos and think, oh, that must happen when I try to fist. Just take your time. And it's different to every people how long it takes. I mean, I tried it with my first fist friend almost a year. We need a year before we got the first fist inside without cans, mm -hmm. for sure. It was very important to do the without. Even on this evening, I forgot the poppers. Mm. I mean, we, t we took poppers every mm. time. I drove uh, to him and forgot the poppers and we, we was thinking about, should we play anyway? Yeah, we play and we played and this was the first fist. Mm. It was amazing. So I would say um, camps is not a good thing to make it possible. It will destroy your whole, for your whole life and then mm. fisting is away. So take your time and some people get their first fist after a month, some, some people need one year, it's fine, it's okay. You will have pleasure with four fingers as well. You've got all the time in the world. That's You've it. got all the time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much for thank joining you us. Boys. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank Live you from much. Berlin, <laughs> Folsom edition. Such fun. Such fun. Such fun. Such fun.